It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast. Hope everyone's having a great day. Enjoy a day with your family and eat lots of turkey and ham and watch plenty of football and get yourself ready for Tennessee basketball on Black Friday and get yourself ready for Tennessee football on Saturday against Vanderbilt. I'm Brent Hubbs along with Rob Lewis. Eric Kane stepping in for Austin Price in this edition of the Mailbag Podcast presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. He's Tennessee's most trusted and he- trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. You can check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. You can visit one of their four locations, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and, of course, their location in Knoxville on Kingston Pike, just across the street, just down from Trader Joe's. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. We appreciate their uh, sponsorship and appreciate their partnership with VolQuest on the podcast. All right, guys, plenty of questions to get to here. And um, fittingly, we will start with a Thanksgiving question from Hang Up and Listen. Great screen name, by the way, Hang Up and Listen. Uh, what should uh, the University of Tennessee be thankful for at this point? Uh, Rob Lewis, I'll start with you. If you're, if you're the University of Tennessee, what are you thankful for right now? I'm thinking your three flagship programs on the men's side, you've got three quality individuals running the show, and Josh Heupel, Rick Barnes, and Tony Vitello. I mean, I don't – do you recall a time, Hubbard, when it was like all three were – seemed like they were in this, this good of shape as far as the leadership? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there was a stretch in the 90s where Philip Fulmer and Rod Delmonico had it going, certainly, but basketball w- was all over the map at, at that point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been, it's been more than a minute. Um, I'm not sure when the last time Tennessee's had the apparent a stability that they have at this point in, in their three main, main programs. Eric, for me, I think the thing to be thankful for is um, – kind of the flush of the last 18 months, you know, kind of the, the, the fact that it feels like for the first time in a while, Tennessee is moving forward. Uh, that's not to say everything's perfect, but at least there's some, there's some plans to move forward, whether it's building facilities, enhancing facilities, or just putting some of the past behind them. We know it's not all completely in the past, but at least there's a feeling that things are moving in the right direction. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like what the coaches say: snap and clear, move on. It's not you're not completely out of the woods yet. There's a lot to you know, a, a lot to learn. You know, moving forward, but you are moving forward, and you've. Uh, I'll keep it simple here. I mean, your your flagship program is football, and not everything is exactly where it needs to be. You got a long way to go, but you're off to a good start. And this has been a a fun and impressive year for Josh Heupel. So if I'm Tennessee, I'm thankful that uh, that football. There's something to cheer about this year. Yep, no doubt. Uh, the feeling of this one's a lot different than uh, the feelings have been the, the past few years. Even though Tennessee went to a bowl game a couple of years ago, just the way this team has played, Eric, the style that they played, um, I think is something that fans just you know gravitate to. I mean, I, I said this the other night on on a show. If you got a ticket to the game, you, you better get your you better get in the seat at kickoff if you want to see it because something's going to happen fast. There's not a there's just not a feeling out process to, hey, what are we going to do or what's Tennessee going to look like here or whatever. I mean, th- they are going hammer down right out of the gate. And, and I think that's something that obviously 
fans are, are really uh, excited to see and have really enjoyed this year. Um, let's go to Pine Mountain Vol, who wants to know, how many scholarships do you think UT will self-impose on this class uh, with the new rule that if you lose 10 players to the portal, you can sign 32? I think it's seven, not 10. How many does Tennessee, how many has Tennessee already lost? Do you see them reaching that number and signing 32 this year? Uh, a couple of cl clarifications here. They do not self-impose based on the class. You self-impose based on the 85 number, not on the class. I, I don't think Tennessee's doing anything with the initials. Uh, self-imposed numbers will be on the 85. Um, I think, uh, you know, depending on how Tennessee spaces that out, how much they count against this current class, I don't know that you'll feel a whole lot of that. But in terms of what the number looks like in this class, whether it's 25, 28, 30, that does depend on how many transfers. Eric, it depends on how many super seniors come back as well because you're you're playing with that 85 number and you're also got a self-imposed number in there as well. I don't think Tennessee's going to sign 32 players or 30 players in this class counting transfers. I don't think it'll get that high personally. Yeah. And that, this is kind of why uh, this is to be determined. I mean, this could, uh, could come into effect in March. It could come into effect in June. I mean, we saw Tennessee sign what, or six transfers via the portal or maybe five after, um, after spring practice. And so um, it's, about the super seniors that count, who all leaves. You could guys, you could have guys come back and uh, you know start out the semester and then leave right before classes start. So uh, you, to my calculations, and, and correct me if I'm missing a few people. Tennessee's had three into the portal during the season: Brian Mauer, Harrison Bailey, Morvin Joseph. Um, those are the three off the top of my head. But again, that might change. That will likely change. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of football here in 2021. As soon as the Vanderbilt game's over. They start bowl preparation. There might be a few more. Um, wouldn't shock me to say the least. I think, Rob, that, you know, it's it's really interesting in the recruiting season or the transfer season you have for 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 FCS teams, for for the lower teams, this was their week for a lot of guys to jump in. If you if you followed the portal at all and, and tracked the portal, you had, you know, Furman's and you had kids from, from those level of schools all jumping in the portal this week. Next week, we'll start the rush for, for, the, for the FBS teams for this small window. But then you've got the next window that comes about in the springtime. It, it, it's, it's like two free agency windows in college football. There's one even before that, even though they can't leave. It's coaching changes in yeah. January. And even though those kids, you know, I guess can't leave and enroll at that point, you know, somewhere else for spring practice, but they can still put their name in the portal and start – being recruited but um and then yeah as you said after after spring another you know i don't like where i'm on the depth chart i'm bouncing out of here it's i mean it's just new reality but if, let me just ask you both your opinion because there is no there is no right answer to this do, do you think the portal is more attractive to power five teams in november december or do you think it will ultimately be more attractive year in and year out to to those teams in late April, March, um, that, that window there. When do you think there'll be more talent, I guess, more upper-tier talent available in the portal? I, I, I really don't know, Hubbard. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, and, and, Eric, I'm, I meant to tell you, you're con since you're filling in for AP, you're contractually obligated. Whenever me and Hubbard say something to throw it to you that, that you already feel like is obvious, you're supposed to go, correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I would kind of, I would kind of think maybe after the season immediately, because I, I think, because then you might get some like good players at Florida, for instance, 
that that want to bounce. Maybe I mean it may be a guy that's not bouncing because of playing time, but bouncing because of a coaching change. So you think maybe because of coaching changes, the December window might be a better I think, window. I think maybe. I mean, because I, then it's I, I think a lot of the guys in the spring. I mean, if they're not playing, you know, if they don't, if they're third on the depth chart, wherever they are. I mean, how how much how attractive are they? to you plus you got to think about the spots too i mean if, if you're if you're darting in spring a lot of a lot of programs might not have room for you or might i uh, might can take one but can't take many but i mean if you talk about this window coming up i mean you can go ahead and sign and you know i feel like that'd be the more attractive period because there'd be more available spots you get them ready to roll in, in for january so i mean they're both are i just think there might be more opportunity here in this first window yeah i mean i i don't know i, I think it's something for everybody to kind of keep you know, one of those studies that one of the 8,000 people that work in football offices across the, the country with, you know, some analyst position doing something uh, is going to dive in and research. Because, I mean, if you're, if you're a quarterback and you're in a quarterback competition and you lose that competition, are there going to be better quarterbacks available post-spring compared to January? I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of going to be intriguing to see kind of who's available, who's not available, what, what direction some, some things go as the portal and the transfer thing gets settled in. We're just in year two of it. And this is, again, this year is taking on almost a different life than last year did as everybody tries to figure it out. For some people, it was been a big success for other people's the portal's been a flop. It's a small sample size, however, but what about just the guys that Tennessee got? I mean, hidden hooker was an early portal guy. And that one's obviously worked out. And then Peyton, Javante Peyton was late. Wasn't yep. He He was Sorry. a late guy. Um, um, but then you see other late guys like Turnage and, and Haddon have not, you know, they've not gotten on the field. So, I mean, that's just Tennessee. I don't, you know, I don't think, and, and again, it's just one year, but it's, it's kind of been all over the place with the guys Tennessee got. Yep. I mean, you got, you got Dejon Terry, who was a late guy that, that, should, that, that was taken late. That's helping. Uh, that's helping. Tremblay. Some. Yeah. Tremblay's the guy who's played a lot. Um, as well, Juwan so, Mitchell, but that has more to do with an injury now. But uh, he was a late guy as well. Yeah, but and, and again, maybe late guys make more sense in places where coaching changes are taking place, right? So if you're if you're Florida, you're probably going to be more active in the portal later than you are earlier because you got to wait and see exactly what you've got in the yeah. spring. Kids got to figure out who's on the staff there. I mean, Dejan Terry wasn't wouldn't have had any interest in Tennessee in January because Rodney Garner wasn't here. And we all know that Rodney Garner was the tie and the reason why he came. So every situation is different. I'm going to be curious to see kind of how the numbers shake out uh, over the sample size of three to five years and kind of where everybody goes from there. Let's go to the next question here. What will the new capacity be at Neyland Stadium? Uh, any news on future home and home or neutral site matchups? Uh, will the VOS sign be in the new north end zone renovations? I'll start with the second on, on the or the last on the sign. I think there's a couple of different places that they're looking at. They're dealing with the architects and talking to the architects with. Um, I don't think there's anything finalized as to where that is exactly going to go in, in the stadium. I, I think there's there's two op, two potential options there that they're looking at. One reason it's off of the jumbotron on the south end is there was a there was a safety deal there because of how high that jumbotron was and some wind shear and some different things like that, that were, that were a concern as to why they removed those to begin with. So I don't know how exactly they're going to, going to do those, but obviously Danny White's going to bring them back. The North end is a possibility. 
but I don't think that is an absolute going to happen. Um, new, new capacity in Neyland Stadium. I'm not sure Neyland Stadium, Rob, is a 100,000-seat stadium now, maybe with standing room only. I know you've sure. said that. That's that's a pretty bold statement. I'm not sure the 102 455 is a 102 455. Yeah, where somebody went and counted actual seats in that place. Now, I think, I think David Elliott stepped it off. Yeah, you think he did? Now they're they're going to remove. Obviously, they're going to displace and move some people around. How many do they lose? I don't know. They're going to move around 45 to five thousand seats or five thousand tickets. Um, so how many of those do they actually lose? You know, we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I don't think we're going to know the final capacity just yet, but, um, I certainly think that being under a hundred thousand is, is a likely thing. Um, I don't have anything new on the schedule front. I mean, I think Tennessee's in pretty good shape in terms of where they are. I, I think in terms of doing your other non-conference stuff, don't you have to wait and see, Rob, what the SEC comes that's back with? That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, once how many are you going to play here? Right. I think, I mean, it's almost certainly seems like you'd have to go up to nine. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, we know Nick have... Saban wants 10. He's wanted 10 for years. <laughs> I don't know about, I mean, they played a 10 season, 10 game season last year. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know that you're going to see Eric dependent and Rob too, depending on how they do that. I mean, how many big time non-conference games are you going to play yeah. if you're in a nine, nine game regular season or a 10 game regular season in the SEC? I think it goes way down. And I think if you do just the straight divisions like you have now, or if that quirky idea of even pods, I mean, it's, it's still nine games. It makes sense either way. And so, yeah, you, you, you need, even though they're boring, you need the South Alabama is you need the Bowling Greens. It's about scheduling and the positioning and the schedule. I get that, but you need some games like that on your schedule and you're adding one more conference game. Potentially. I think they're going to go down as well. Although, you know, it makes it a little, it it makes it a little, if, if the playoff goes, you know, goes to 12, which we all believe it will. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's got then, to, then it, then I can see it, you know, I can kind of see schedule a tough one here and there out of conference. It makes more sense, but as the playoff stands now in this league, I think it just hurts you. It's too much of a risk. Yeah. Don't you think the tough ones will all be kickoff type games? Yes. It happens. I mean, I, I don't see anybody playing a legit non-conference opponent in Maybe the back end of the season to keep like the Clemson South Carolina rivalry and Florida Florida State the last week, but in terms of the non-rival games that have been around for a long time, I, I don't see anybody scheduling anything other than a, a you know a preseason kickoff type game, if you will. Which again, those are largely now a lot of neutral site games because of the money that's involved with that yeah. one. Uh, TGX Cade basically said he's gone on Tennessee Prime, which is no surprise. Coach Banks indicated this week that Alante won't be back. He obviously won't be back since he's accepted a bowl or a bid or accepted an invitation, excuse me, to the senior bowl. You guys have expressed doubt about Tyon returning. Any guesses on the other seniors who have a year left of eligibility? I think Jerome Carvin probably and Hendon Hooker. I mean, obviously Hooker is the most important. I think Jerome Carvin is probably the second most important guy who's a potential super senior to return at this point. And I don't know. I don't, I think Carvin's going to come back ultimately. Um, we've talked about hooker a lot, Rob on here. And, and, and Eric, I know we've talked about it off the podcast. He's got a really interesting decision and I'm going to be fascinated to see what research he finds in, in terms of weighing the pros and cons of that decision. Cause it's not as simple either direction when you look at it. No, I agree. I mean, I think it's going to be totally dependent on what he hears from the, 
NFL advisory committee, which I'm, I'm sure he's going to submit his name in, in January to get feedback. <clears throat> and I almost, I mean, he, he's got an interesting decision to make because he's going to, you would think, put up monster numbers next year. I mean, him and Bryce Young, I think indisputably the top two, two guys in this league that would be back. I mean, he would he could really raise his profile. Assuming Will Tennessee, Rogers is back, isn't he? I mean, I think Hooker's better than Will Rogers. I mean, I think. I mean, how, I think. I mean, how, how many of those kids at Texas Tech do for stupid numbers in, in that system and and weren't, weren't pro guys? I mean, I, I just, I think Hooker's a legit pro prospect with his because he's he? a dual threat with his size, and I mean, he could. I mean, if he, I think it's interesting, Hubbard. What if he gets, a, you know, a fifth round grade for the NFL? And weighs that against maybe coming back and throwing for thirty five hundred yards and thirty touchdowns and maybe being a second round guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I'm be curious, what I would be curious to be, I'll never see the paper, but what I will be curious to see, Eric, is what the NFL advisory board says he needs to work on, because that's what those boards do, right? I mean, they come back like in the NBA, they come back and say, hey, this is the element of the game you need to improve on, you need to work here. What, what do you think the NFL is going to mark off? on Hendon Hooker other than, you know, one-year wonder? What, what, is, what does he have to show? Is, I mean, he's completing 71% of his throws. Uh, yeah. What, um, I mean, you know, taking too many sacks? Yeah, I, mean, I would say I would say maybe internal clock a little bit, maybe year-to-year consistency because he's never had a year like this before. I mean, his release is quick. I'm not a quarterback. I mean, I'm not a coach, but his release is quick. He's, he throws an accurate ball. You can tell he can throw the deep ball now. Um you know, he, he seems to be making the right decisions. So I bet it's more, you know, maybe in his steps. I, he's erratic when he runs the football. And t- that's something Tennessee's coaching staff has said countless times that, <laughs> that it stresses him out when he runs the football, but it's a big part of his game. And so if that's going to be part of his draft package, then I think that that might be some things that they mark off. But uh, I, I just feel like there's a lot of things that go into this decision, whereas the easy answer is we'll come back and prove your draft stocks. Uh, you know, you'll have a name, image, a likeness deal and all that. But when it's sitting there right in front of you and you can go and start your next phase right now and start making some money now, I know that's a difficult decision. And, and as, I, as we've said for weeks now, and he's, he's going to be 24 years old. Yep. As a, you know, I think, I, I think that probably factors in, but how much, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think other guys who could potentially come, I mean, Princeton Fant, I would think he would, you know, that would certainly Tennessee would, would like to have him back. I think that's Tillman. A, a very real possibility. Yeah, I mean Tillman would be going pro early. He would not be a super senior coming back, but but I mean he's probably sitting there looking at you know, what's my quarterback situation looking like when I make that decision as well. But um, you know he, he's a guy that I think will will explore the options as well, depending on especially depending on where Hendon Hooker is in this process. So um, that, that, you know those are some of the guys that have the opportunity. Of course. I know Josh Heupel said this week that he acted like they were not going to redshirt Latrell Bumpus, but I think we all agree that they're going to redshirt and they're trying to redshirt Latrell Bumpus and get him back for another year as well to help on the defensive line. Um, it, that only makes sense considering he's healthy enough to play right now and has not played uh, since then, prior to the Kentucky game. He did not play in the Kentucky game. I think the week before was the last week that he had played. Now his challenge is to stay healthy. Same with K-Ron Calvert opportunity to come back the biggest question with Calbert is can he stay healthy uh when it's all said and done um so we'll see um Anthron or Anthron wants to know any new names that have entered the transfer portal Tennessee might have interest in 
I think everybody's looking at the Ricks kid at LSU. Sounds like Ohio State's the front runner there for him. That's probably the biggest name out there right now. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, someone UT would make a run at if he entered the transfer portal. Rob, if Jameer Gibbs enters the transfer portal, he may be the most high-profile offensive player in the transfer portal. He leads right now FBS football in all-purpose yards. I, I think he would be wanted by a whole lot of people. And, and playing for and, and does not play behind a great offensive line by yes. any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. You wonder. I mean, he could he'd be close to home. I, I I don't see how if you're running back, you look you, you don't like this system. I mean, I'm. I've not watched him a ton, but I've I watched a lot of his high school stuff because Tennessee was, you know, I, I guess kind of dancing around him a little bit. And to me, he looks like he'd be a really good fit. I, I think it would be attractive, just the style. I don't think there's any doubt. And if you're him, you're looking for a place, to me, Eric, that's got a chance to win, you know, and, and a style that fits what, what, you, what you – and now his – I mean, I'm sure his belief is he fits into any style, and he probably does. Yep. But, but where would give him the most opportunity uh, to be successful and to win football games? Was, it, was, he, was he committed to Michigan at one point in time out of high school? No, I don't, I don't think he was. Um, remember, late, were, Bloom, late Bloomer and a lot of people were hesitant on him. Like, Tennessee thought he was a defensive back. Um, yeah, and Texas, he ran, ran for a million yards. Yeah, at, he at did. He, I mean, he, he absolutely did. And obviously, he's gone on to prove that, that he's an offensive football player for sure. Um, I'll throw this one at you, Eric. Better chance to flip Demario Tolan or Christian Cheeks? Yeah, I would say Demario Tolan right now simply because he's more uh, engaged with Tennessee. He reached out to Tennessee. They've been in uh, communication for a longer period of time. Plus, he uh, was you know here on campus back in the summer. Uh, you know, Cheeks is relatively new uh, type situation, but uh, I think you know Tennessee likes them both. Tennessee's talking to both, but I would say, in my opinion, a better chance of a flip candidate would be uh demario tolan all right and then his last question your thoughts on who lsu and florida might hire i mean did you guys see that reports uh today about mark stoops potentially being an lsu guy it didn't, i saw like, i saw the like tweet an, seems like an odd fit i know bruce feldman tweeted yeah. out and he's dialed in uh also knows there's a lot of agents out there putting a lot of things out there to get a lot of people a lot of raises right now um I think I think right now, if I were laying odds on Florida, I'd lay Billy Napier as, yep. as the leading candidate for that job. Um, I thought Napier was going to end up at Virginia Tech, but I think Florida may be trying to go fast to make sure that they land uh, Billy Napier. I think LSU is the one that nobody really knows about. I think Jimbo Fisher is going to say no, Rob. I, I think he stays at A&M. Then it becomes where do they go? Does Lincoln Riley listen? Does he not listen? There's some talk that he would or he wouldn't. We'll see. Uh, Mario Cristobal, does he have any interest in moving anywhere? Luke Fickle's not leaving Cincinnati till they're out of the playoff run. LSU's going to have to have a coach hired before then. You don't think Lane? Uh, I don't know that LSU's going to go down the Lane Kiffin path. Lane might be in a situation where he gets a big raise where he's sitting at right now or wait and see if that Miami job comes open. Um, I don't know. I, LSU's I, I can see Lane down there. Yeah, I, don't think, I mean those people—they're still paying Will Wade. What? What? How's Lane going to scare but, him? But but they're but they're running. They they're they're dealing with everything that Ed Orgeron did with all the Title IX stuff and everything else. Do they do they want to go? Do they want to go deal with all that kind of stuff? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I mean, just I, keep on. I mean, they're 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 still paying Will Wade to coach basketball for him. So I I, I don't think that it, I don't think morals enter into their decision. 
I think it should be a bidding war for Billy Napier. And, you know, with the in-state connection that he has at LSU, I think it makes too much sense. But I, I'm with you. I think he it, it looks more like Florida right now. But if I'm LSU, I'm going after him as well. Yeah, I'm not sure LSU. Rob, is it beneath LSU to hire a, an in-state coach? I know they don't do that. Sport? I know that's against that's some, some unspoken <laughs> rule. But if they're smart, they would. I don't know. That's a good question, Robert. I don't know either. I think I, mean, I think he's a good coach. I think I do too. I think LSU is the biggest unknown of everybody out there. It's and I think it's the best job. Yep, yeah. I do too. I, I think it's I think it's a really good job. Uh, I heart balls. The following quote is from an article by Bruce Feldman regarding Georgia. Quote: Population shift that started a generation ago helped turn Georgia into one of the nation's best jobs. Metro Atlanta's population began exploding in the '80s, and result is a deep pool of talent that also happens to get some of the nation's best coaching. Georgia high school coaches tend to be paid better than those in their neighboring states, and this creates a wealth of highly developed talent throughout the state. With the mid-state seeing a similar population spike and some high-profile coaches in the mid-state like Trent Dilfer, please discuss how the in-state prep talent has changed since you began covering recruiting, and what would you do if you were the head coach or AD at Tennessee to keep these players at home besides win more games? Rob, I mean – Look, you go back 15 years, I mean, the number of guys, it's, it's, it's not even comparable. It's unrecognizable. I mean, just – I mean, to th- if Tennessee was – if Phillip took 10 guys in the state, that was a – that was probably a terrible recruiting class. Yeah. And now, at least the last two or three years, there's 10 guys that will be on your wish list. I mean, yeah, when I played easily. high school football 10 years ago, I mean, it was – I mean, it was nothing. I mean, it was nothing. And that, that's just 10 years ago, 11 years ago. I mean, Hubbard, I mean, there were there were probably plenty of times when me and you were doing this that there wasn't a top 100 player in the state. Yeah, I mean, there were years where it was like they might take two or three guys. Now it's like there's two or three guys in Rutherford County. Um, so it's it's very or even, different. and it's not just not just Knoxville. I mean, how yeah. many years did we go when Knoxville didn't have a kid, maybe not a Tennessee offer, but an SEC offer? I mean, it was it was more common to not have one than to have one, and now you know you got. More, what, half a dozen guys. Yep, and and yep. I think I think in order to keep them in state, I think I think one you need stability first and foremost. You know, I, I think it's I think for the high school coaches in this area, I mean, a lot of those guys have a better relationship with assistant coaches and head coaches at other schools because there's just not been the volume of turnover at other places. You know, um, and, and I say fix that, the relationships for sure. Yeah, I think that's been a huge part of it. And the other thing too is there's a lot of different variables in the state now you know used to you recruited the high school coach you had to deal with the high school coach and you dealt with the parents a lot of other hands a lot of other variables in there right now that that you've got to deal with and, and you've got to go through um for georgia the biggest thing that happened to georgia rob they started winning right yep. when they weren't and- winning rodney garner went down there and got we all know who he got out of georgia in one year those guys were those guys were bailing all over the place so the biggest thing is winning football games i know that's cliche but that's but the is. biggest thing you do because you got a generation of kids who have never seen Tennessee win, right, Rob? You got Absolutely. two of them. They've never seen Tennessee win. Two thousand and seven. Yep. Last just, time they went to Atlanta, they just have not experienced. Eric, Tennessee did Eric Kane have a driver's license the last time Tennessee went to Atlanta? In it was see two thousand seven. Yeah. No, I did not. <laughs> there you go. I did not. There you, there you go, Hubbard. There you go. That sums it up in a nutshell, right there. Um, <laughs> here we go to UT Vols sixteen eighteen. Really enjoyed listening to the Cade and Friends podcast. I kind of like that name, actually. Uh, was that made possible by the new NIL rules, the new staff's media policies, or a combination of both? Um, I mean, it's an NIL situation. Um, is, is there? I mean, the, the staff 
obviously has let has let these guys talk and be available, but that's that's a result of, of the the NIL deals. Um, all right, let's run through some quick ones here before we get out the door. Uh, does Squirrel White sign with Tennessee? What are you thinking, Eric? Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, you know, anytime Georgia is is you know liking you and and kind of, kind of talking to you and getting you on campus, I think that's a a concern. I you know, for me at least, I think it's a little too early to go there, but I think it's something that should be on the radar without a doubt. Um, Rob, now that the season's pretty much over, where did Hypel exceed your expectations? What area do you think he needs to continue to improve in? I mean, whether it's Hypel, the whole staff, I mean, they've got to recruit better. I mean, yep. And I don't, and I don't, I'm not saying they did a bad job this year with all the obstacles they were facing. So don't, don't interpret it like that, but they have to, they have to improve the talent. Um, I mean, just, I thought they would be good on offense. I didn't think they would be this good. And, you know, they didn't produce against Georgia and Alabama, you know, like they have some others, but I, like, the teams that they're that are in the middle of the pack with Tennessee, I mean, they've they've exploded on them. Yes, I mean, absolutely exploded. What they've done in the in the first quarter has just been absolutely ridiculous. And that's um, that's a product of the offense. Yep, and the tempo, um, and the fact that Josh Heupel is going to be aggressive from mm -hmm. the moment he walks in the stadium. Uh, Pope for UT wants to know: Are there any other athletic facility upgrades that were designed, approved by the prior administration? already in the works. Uh, no, I think that's why you're seeing nothing concrete in terms of bricks and mortar with the baseball stadium at this point in time. So I think what they're doing, what they're getting ready to do um, uh, in terms of Neyland Stadium and the Anderson Training Center, we're both in the works. They've tweaked both of those. I think next up, baseball, and then we'll see what Danny White can incorporate in Thompson Bowling Arena with some premium seating and some premium additions there. Um, but with some club seats and, and that type of thing. I think that's media is getting ready to get moved. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's going to happen. There's a lot of talk about taking the current basketball coaching offices and turn those into a, a premium area uh, for just kind of hanging out and meals and whatever, beer. you know, um, I, I think that's certainly a possibility to take place there because you've already got access for those people straight into those offices. There's external doors there. It's a pretty easy way to incorporate that. I guess, and move, move, move like basketball a to Pratt. Like a second Ray Mears room is how it was described to me. Yeah. Now, to do that, you got to probably do some additions to Pratt Pavilion, uh, and we'll see what happens there. I know Rick, I know Rick Barnes has got some designs in, his, in, in <laughs> mind, maybe even written down on paper at this point in time. Um, again, running out of time here. Is the NIL a significant point for recruits when you talk to them, and are some schools making it a focal point more than others? Eric? Uh, I just think it's like uh, with anything, it's about relationships. I mean, when I'm calling these kids and talking to them a lot of times for the first, second, third time, and it's a wide net, I mean, you don't even broach that subject. Um, but the more you get closer to the finish line and everything, you, you might have some kids talk about that a little bit. But uh, mostly for me right now, it's a no. But uh, again, it's it's something you're exploring. It's something you're talking about when you're close to committing to a school now with name, image, and likeness, a thing. And I know there have been a couple of basketball recruits where that has been their first question to the Tennessee coaching staff. Yeah. And, wow. and those guys, those guys aren't here. Okay. Um, Sugarland Vol, predict uh, the four bowl possibility destinations with uh, your pecking order. Where do you think they go? He wanted percentages. I was going to get too confusing. All right. So what are you thinking? Nashville, most likely? It feels that way to me. Okay. And then throw Jacksonville in there. Tax Slayer. Jacksonville. Bowl in there. I mean, I've seen some people talking about Outback. They can't get that high, can they? 
Uh, I think to get to the outback, they got to have if, help, right, Eric? I mean, you need you need Louisville yeah. to beat Kentucky, and then you probably need two teams in the playoff, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's possible. It's certainly possible. But uh, in terms of just playing the percentages, I would go Nashville, and then I would go Tax Slayer, and then I guess after that it'd be Charlotte, Charlotte and then you know Liberty's. Yeah, the Tampa, then Liberty. I mean, it, it seems like it's a Nashville-Jacksonville top conversation we're having here. Yeah, with, with with an outlier, potentially, uh, with, with with Tampa. But, I, again, there, there's some things that have to go your way. Yeah, I think definitely the case. Uh, Rob, to you on this one here, how does your optimism following Heupel's first season compare to the optimism, if any, that you had following Kiffin, Dooley, Butch, and Pruitt's first year? <laughs> I think with all those – I mean, I, I thought Lane was going to get it going – but if Tennessee didn't get in trouble, you know, because yeah. there was a lot of there was a lot of smoke that, that first year. And uh, the other three, I wasn't I wouldn't say that I was down on them, but it was still very much wait and see mode. Like, now, I, I, I wasn't covering the team with with all these guys like you were. But I mean, after Pruitt's you know, first season, they, they lost what the last two games by just getting blown out. Right. You, you had that win against. No, that was 2019, or no, you beat uh, Kentucky in 2018, right? When they were when they were ranked, then you got blown out by Vanderbilt, got blown out by Missouri. So there was not a whole lot of momentum heading into that offseason for Pruitt's first year. I know, and Hubbard maintains that, that Pruitt killed his team after the Missouri game and gave him no chance against Fandy. Remember think, that, Hubbard? Yeah, I think he did. I, th- I think he absolutely just uh, annihilated him on the practice field. And, of course, they had all kinds of, I think, coaching stuff going on, Tyson Helton, who was in charge, mm-hmm. who's calling plays, and – all of that kind of stuff. They they were a mess after that after that Missouri loss. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Ironically, I, I would go Kiffin because of the way that they played and, and who all they played against and how well they played against them. There was some optimism with Dooley after that first year. You had Jim Chaney as your coordinator. You had Justin Wilcox. They had they had recruited pretty well just in that late arrival by, by Dooley. So you thought he was going to be able to recruit some. He had a quarterback. He had a quarterback. There was a little more optimism from Dooley than anybody wants to ever give Dooley credit for because I thought Derek Dooley's staff was really good. That, that initial staff was really good because you have Jim Chaney and because of Justin Wilcox. I mean, I thought Wilcox did more with less – as much with less as anybody. Maybe Tim Banks has done more with less this year. Well, I mean, how many head coaches do you have? Um, Sam was on that staff, right? Later, not that first year. But he wasn't yeah. there the first year. Yeah, okay. but Sam Pittman ended up being on that staff. I mean, he had a lot of he had a he had a good staff when it was all said and done. Um, there's no no question about that. All right, as um, we we wrap it up here, um, last question: How do you think Heupel has grown during the season, and what areas of oppor- or his areas of opportunity moving forward? For example, there were some clock time management issues earlier in the season that seemed to have been improved and corrected. I don't agree with that. I think he's managed to clock well all year long. While Coach has been an excellent play caller, I think there's opportunity to improve red zone play calling, and maybe he missed opportunities to play younger guys at times. What are your thoughts? I agree with the younger guy stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I don't too. know that that's all Josh Heupel, but when you're up 40 points in the third quarter, let me see yeah. Brandon Turnage. Let, I think, let me I, see um, Mohan, you know? There was there, there was one situation, I believe, on the road to Florida where everyone claims he mismanaged the clock. I didn't agree with. There was another situation. I can't remember what game it was that I completely thought that he fumbled uh, that that possession there before the half. But then he came back in Kentucky and made up for it, stole three points there. So I don't know if I'd agree with all that. Um, i got to play younger guys. There's no reason 
Hendon Hooker should be in a ball game of 55-17 and running the football at Missouri. No reason for it. Uh, I know the the staff trusts the veterans, especially in the secondary. Would have liked to have seen a lot of more young guys play there a little bit more early compared to you know later on in the season. Hey, Hubbard, before we go, can I, I had this argument with Chris Walker Wednesday at basketball practice. I want both your takes. Is macaroni and cheese a Thanksgiving Day staple on the table? It's it's not it's not for our household. All right, you got thirty seconds, Eric Kane. Go. Uh, so it's funny we talked about this on the show this morning. Is it a a Thanksgiving Day staple? No, but is it going to be on the table? Yes. So I guess the answer would be no, but it'll be on my table. Right. Here's my thing. It's right up there with cranberry sauce because you can open it in a can and be done with it. You can take cheesy mac and you can take like seven of those bowls, throw them in the microwave, and you can do a family side. If that's your Thanksgiving side, is it just requires water in a microwave? I'm not sure it's a staple on your dinner table. Yeah, Chris, That's just Chris, my opinion. Chris Walker went so far to, as to call my Thanksgiving Day table trash because he didn't have mac, <laughs> mac and cheese on it. All right. If you happy, guys got cranberry sauce there, then it is trash. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. That's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast brought to you by Smoky Mountain Organics. We appreciate you joining us. Enjoy your day with families. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Thank you.